Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Why are the playoffs better at Boston Pizza? Because we've optimized our sports bar experience by studying in-depth analytics. Starting with our new BP winged ribs, currently leading all apps in wings above replacement, and deep fried pickle wedges, an early favorite for the unanimous number one overall pickle. And of course, the advanced stats darling and leader in pints per game, the new Beer Mosa. Catch the playoffs at Boston Pizza, powered by Fanalytics. Welcome in to Daily Faceoff Live, your go-to source for everything hockey, live every weekday at noon Eastern. Second night in a row, sitting on my couch, wondering where in the world is Jumbo Joe Thornton and what is he doing at this exact moment in time? As for a second straight night in the Stanley Cup playoffs, someone scores four goals on their own accord. Magical stuff, Leon Dreisaitl matching Joe Pavelski. Welcome into Daily Faceoff Live. It is a Thursday, May 4th edition, fittingly enough, four. And uh, this Daily Faceoff Live is presented by Botano. The game starts now at botano.ca. 19 plus, please play responsibly. He's former NHL player, current Chicago Blackhawks analyst, and my friend, Colby Cohen. Colby, how you doing? I'm doing well, Frank. Another night of not too much drama in the NHL. No overtimes. What do we got tonight? That's the question. Yeah, clean night. Actually able to get to sleep before 1230 Eastern. Like, whew, we're living. This is good living. Let's, uh, let's Don't start worry. two your, minutes. In- your kids will wake you up at 6 a.m. It's all right. Yeah, I, I actually, he, my son came in this morning and he was like, what time is it? He's like, 7.04. I was like, too early. Get out. Uh, let's throw two minutes and 30 seconds up on the clock and let's start with this. Uh, the Vegas Golden Knights take game one over the Edmonton Oilers in spite of Leon Dreisaitl scoring four goals. Colby, when you look at this game and, and sort of how it unfolded from an Oilers perspective, obviously not good enough at five on five, which is what stands out to me. They were opportunistic, of course, on their power play as usual, and we'll get to the power play in a bit with the coaches' room segment with our friend John Goyens, but there was not really a ton of surprise from me. I think that's been the story of round two to start all these game ones, is that each team that won had sort of played to the exact identity that they've been known for all season long. The Golden Knights harnessing their speed and and their play uh, certainly coming through the zone. And then you look at the Kraken. They won in their formula. 
the New Jersey Devils, they lost uh, by the, the Carolina Hurricanes playing their exact way that they've played all season long. No surprises from the Golden Knights, yet the Oilers came out flat. Yeah, Frank, I mean, look, I, I think that's the right way to look at it. What we thought would probably happen in those games did happen in those games. And, you know, I look at the way that Vegas won last night, and I think some people might think, well, Vegas held on to game one because of the way things happened up and down. Um, you know, Edmonton gets on the board first, but then to me it was really mostly Vegas from there. They're up 3-1, to one, then it's 3-3, three, three, and then right away they put a little bit of a dagger into Edmonton. Um, and look, one thing that really stuck out to me and I think is going to be a major factor in this series as you move along is the ice time. And that's something that I'm going to focus on and I'm going to look at how well Bruce Cassidy manages the ice time of the Vegas Golden Knights. And I wrote some stuff down here because I thought it was so interesting to me. Vegas had one player that cleared over 20, like clearly over 20 minutes of ice. That's Alex, Alex Petrangelo. He played 23 minutes last game. Now Martinez just slightly also eclipsed the 20-minute mark, but barely. And then you go to Edmonton and you look at Dreisaitl, 24 minutes. McDavid, 23 minutes. Hyman, 23 minutes. Nugent Hopkins, Bouchard, Ekholm, Nurse, they're all over 20 minutes. And when you look at the way Vegas plays, they're stingy in the neutral zone like L.A. They keep a lot of shots to the outside because Bruce Cassidy, a guy I played four years for, always preaches structure. And I look, this is going to be a physical series, more physical than I think the last series was, even though I, I know LA played physical against Edmonton, but I think this is going to go seven games, Frank. I think it's going to be difficult uh, for Edmonton to score at five on five. They're going to need their power play to continue to help them out. And look, I think Jack Eichel has an opportunity to go to a new level. The play he made at the end of the game, he strips Connor McDavid, he shoots the puck for the empty net. I think he's got a big chip on his shoulder because of the way that those two players' careers have panned out. I think this is going to be a great series. I really do. And I know Tyler, your M. Chuck doesn't want to hear this, but I think Vegas is going to knock out the Edmonton Oilers in this series. Oh, bold statement. Uh, still lots of hockey to be played, and the Oilers yet again don't win a game one. That hasn't seemed to matter in the past and certainly didn't matter in round one because six of the eight teams that advanced lost game one to start the series last round. Different stakes this time around. Less margin for error, you would think. Um, so two things, Colby. One, with Leon Dreisaitl hitting four goals, he now is the second fastest player in NHL history uh, to get to, to uh, 10 goals in a postseason. Uh, you have to go way back to 1919 with Nuzi Lalonde. He did it in four games. Dreisaitl needed seven. And more than that, I think it puts an exclamation point on the idea if the Oilers can get past the Golden Knights in this round that Reggie Leach's record, Reggie the Rifle, going back to 1976, that has stood for nearly 50 years of 19 goals in one postseason, is under assault. Dreisaitl at 11 already in the postseason. Pretty incredible stuff. So quickly, uh, Brett in the chat on our YouTube uh, stream, he says, is there a goalie change coming for Edmonton in Game 2? Would you go to Jack Campbell or would you stick with Stuart Skinner? 
I think you have to stick with Stuart Skinner. I think Campbell's a guy who can come in in relief if need be throughout this series. But ultimately, when you're riding a guy like Edmonton has ridden him all year, I think you have to go back to him. You have to give him the opportunity to reclaim the net. And you also have to think about the future. I know you want to win right now, but if Stuart Skinner is going to be your goaltender of the future, these are items and these are things that he's got to work out and be able to bounce back from. It's an amazing thing to think about because Jack Campbell is also on a five-year contract just in the first year of that. So uh, speaking of goalie change, uh, Akira Schmidt, he gets yanked as the Carolina Hurricanes roll on the New Jersey Devils in game one. So not only is the sort of aura of invincibility punctured for Schmidt uh, as the Hurricanes get to him early to start this series, but more than that, it just struck me as a New Jersey Devils team, Colby, that was wholly unprepared for this game. Don't know why that is. Maybe you could say a quick turnaround. But the Devils having basically a dump in from center ice as their only shot on goal for a long period of time, that's no way to start a series. The Carolina Hurricanes are the most difficult team to play against in these playoffs. And without their top three scorers, you know Rod Brindamore is in the locker room preaching the details, preaching uh, being thorough with the puck at the blue lines, at the red lines. Carolina doesn't give you anything for free. They make you earn it. They've got that big decor. Uh, you look at their ability to not only defend and play physical, guys like Pesci, guys like Burns, Brady Shea has been – uh, awesome offensively for them this year. It really is a difficult team to get through the neutral zone. That seems like the theme of the playoffs this year. The teams are having success that make it very difficult on you and create a lot of turnovers through the neutral zone. I think the Devils haven't seen a team with the speed that the Hurricanes played with in the first round. I think uh, the Rangers look slow. The Rangers did not put this type of pressure on Schmid in goal at any point. A lot of ones and one and done throughout that series. So I think this was the first time where Schmid really was under pressure. And this is what we saw. Now, I would go back to him for game two. You have to give him another chance based on what he played in the way he played in round one. But I'm kind of a I need to see more mode with Schmid because, again, I do not feel that the Rangers played well. I do not think that they put enough offensive pressure. I do not think they put a premium on puck possession offensively. And ultimately, I think it's going to be a much different looking series with the Hurricanes, even without their top three leading scorers, who are obviously Frank all injured. Yeah, and so let's, Alex, let's throw that box score up from the game up again. And what I liked most about watching the game and then looking at this box score is the variance in scorers. How come the Seattle Kraken can get by with 15 different goal scorers in round one, yet the Carolina Hurricanes are missing their top three and didn't get the depth scoring necessary to win uh, really or to go on a deep run so they can knock off the Islanders, another team that can't score, but can they do it against a Devils team that has more firepower and is explosive? You see here, four different goal scorers in game one, including two defensemen, as you mentioned, and Pesci and Shea. Kotkaniemi is a big one, too. He had one point in his entire first round to get on the board. He was so good for that team in the last 68 weeks of the season. I think he's one of the X factors in this round for the Carolina Hurricanes. And I wonder, Colby, if we kind of just maybe slept a little bit on the Canes. 
Let's talk about the Florida Panthers and the Toronto Maple Leafs as the Leafs try and avoid going down 0-2 on the road. So a little bit of a pressure. Uh, it ratchets up in a big way at Scotiabank Arena on Thursday evening as they host the Panthers, who, as I mentioned to start the show, have won. Basically, they won game one in the exact way that they were able to claw back against the Boston Bruins in round one. They're fearless. They're ferocious on their forecheck. Matthew Kachuk doing Matthew Kachuk-like things. And say what you want about Sergei Bobrovsky and his, his game and his contract, but still has the ability to keep his team in games, as he showed in these last handful, with that Vezina pedigree. What, what more do you need to see from the Toronto Maple Leafs in game two? Well, first off, their power play can't be 0 for 4. I mean, that, that to me is the easiest thing to pick out from game one. You've got to score on the power play. You get opportunities early in the game. You absolutely have to finish those opportunities. And then the second thing, Frank, it, it's about Matthew Kachuk. You've got to get the right defenseman out there against him. Um, you know, whether it's TJ Brody and Jake McCabe, somebody has to be physical on him. But you got to be careful because the more physical it seems like you play on Matthew Kachuk, the more he raises his level of play. He's pretty much an old school throwback type of player um, who, who likes it more physical and, and a little bit more greasy. But ultimately, I know if you're the Leafs, you want to focus on you. You know, you've got enough star players over there. But I think Sheldon Keefe would be smart to have a certain plan in place against Matthew Kachuk. I think he is the full-on X-factor of this series. I know Montour has been great. I know there's been a lot of space for him up at the point, but one of one of my reasons for the fact that Montour seems to constantly be open is because the attention that Matthew Kachuk draws to himself. You see the Leafs cheating down low, worrying about helping out down low, especially against Kachuk's line, and then all of a sudden there are these big pockets of space up and around the blue line for Montour to find. So if the Leafs want to win this series, it's going to be about stopping Matthew Kachuk. But I will tell you this, while I don't think the Oilers get past Vegas, I do believe the Leafs will win this series. I think they will continue to move through. I think they showed last round. Uh, they're not panicking this year in the playoffs. They believe in what they have in the room. They've got Austin Matthews, Mitch Marner, you name it. Uh, so ultimately, I think the Leafs are going to win this evening, and they will be okay. So my rebuttal to that would be, if the Leafs are going to win this series, their best players need to be their best players. You saw Austin Matthews step up in such a significant way. The signature playoff moment that we've been missing to this point, he gets those against the Tampa Bay Lightning. We're still waiting on William Nylander. Need to see more from him. And I know Mitch Marner, you look at the, the sheet and you say, okay, he's piled up some points. I still think he has another level and gear to get to for the Toronto Maple Leafs as well. One lineup note uh, to pass along. It seems as if the Maple Leafs are going to be making a change in terms of their forward group. It appears that Zach Aston Reese is coming out of the lineup and Sam Lafferty going back in, according to reports at the morning skate at Scotiabank Arena. Let's talk about the Seattle Kraken as they continue on their series against the Dallas Stars. A little bit of surprise in the sense that the Kraken, who have just been motoring right along, uh, they, as I mentioned earlier in the show, they play, it's a theme, they play a very specific style. They are the hungriest team in hockey. They outwork you. But what I really enjoy watching about the Seattle Kraken, Colby, is that they're really smart. They don't have very many players that are going to, 
make mental mistakes and blunders. Do, do things happen? Of course. But they're able to read and react. And I think their hockey IQ, their collective hockey IQ as a team is certainly well above average. And I would say well above some of these teams that they're facing in the playoffs. They were able to take advantage of some very specific situations that the Dallas Stars worked themselves into in game one, whether it's Dallas traditionally overloading one side of the ice in the defensive zone. The Kraken are able to feed a defenseman that's shooting into the slot. Things like that, little interesting wrinkles that I thought the Kraken, who went to game seven and had a very quick turnaround into round two, were able to take advantage of. And for whatever reason, the Stars, Colby, knew what was coming in game one, yet still got hit in the face by a two by four and seemed to be surprised by what the Kraken do. Why are teams still surprised when the Kraken only really play one way? Well, they just don't beat themselves. And and I know that that it's a cliche term to hear, but that's in every dressing room at every high level of hockey. That is one of the first things your coach talks about, especially in the playoffs. You can't beat yourself. You have to learn to live to fight another day, which means not looking for the play through the middle, uh, not going for that stretch play, making sure the puck gets out of your zone at the blue line into the neutral zone, and then fold back into your structure and continue to be solid. And I think Seattle does that this year as well as any team we have seen in the playoffs. Now, having said that, Frank, I look at the Dallas lineup. I think they're too balanced. You've got Jake Ottinger and Nett. I like how balanced the scoring has been for Dallas. Hints has five goals. Sagan has four. Pavelski, we saw, have the four. Robertson's got seven points. Domi's chipped in with six points. And I look at the way that they're built. I think they've got three really good lines. I think their fourth line with Clendenning is solid. It's a playoff type of line, hard nose, straight line. And then they've got Miro Haskinen and Essa Lindell sort of anchoring their top two pairs on their blue line. And I just think Dallas is too good of a team to get caught off guard. I think they will clean up some of the self-inflicted mistakes um, and I just think that they're too deep. When I look at the lineups, again, I don't think Colorado was a deep team. I think they were very top-heavy. I think Dallas is very deep. I think they can manage ice time better because they're that deep. I think they'll continue to play their top three lines more. I think they're going to win tonight because I think Jake Ottinger is an absolute star in net. I think he's probably the best goaltender left in the playoffs. Um, and I, I think, again, I think we're going to see a lot of seven-game series in this round, but I expect to see Dallas take game two. Jake Ottinger, an ugly game one in net, so you're expecting him to rebound. Absolutely. One-word answer on a one-to-ten scale. What is your level of concern for Philip Grubauer, who also struggled in the win the first time he's really struggled in this postseason? He's given me no reason to be, to be worried. So I, I would say I think both goaltenders are going to – be true to form as they've been in the playoffs. And there's my 100 words, not one word. There you go. Let's get to John Goyens with the coaches room and welcome him back into the show. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. 
Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Pleased to welcome back John Goyans for The Coach's Room, which is delivered by Boston Pizza and powered by their new Fanalytics menu. Deep fried pickle wedges, beer mosas, pizza flights. There's no better place on the planet than to watch the Stanley Cup playoffs at Boston Pizza. Head on over to your local BPs and check out the new Fanalytics menu. That's right. That is Cape Breton Eagles coach John Goyens. So happy to welcome him back to the show. Uh, John, you've made your living uh, coaching and also been a, a power play consultant. So you know a good power play when you see one. Let's dive into the film. I'm always eager to look at this and talk about the Edmonton Oilers and their power play, which got three opportunities on Wednesday evening, was able to score twice. What makes this power play so unique and deadly in your mind? Well, especially now with Evan Bouchard with the downhill one T, if if you don't have someone fronting him when the puck is below the hash marks, it just opens up the whole zone, and he's got a heavy shot. And you saw that on the, one of the goals yesterday where Dreisaitl sneaks to the net. But you look at a lot of these types of plays, they want the seam pass, but when Connor McDavid comes exploding out from behind the net, they do this little cycle play. Nugent Hopkins, who was not in the bumper spot, now he's in the bumper spot. And now they draw two guys focused on McDavid, opens up the seam pass. So everybody's saying, just cut off the seam pass. It's they do these little things that just suck you into being attracted. Even here, LA Kings F2, all he's got to do is hold that spot, right? That T intersection and cut it off. But it's easier said than done. Here, everybody's like, well, why is everybody rushing outside dot at any point mcdavid can find hyman in front he does such a good job checking guys with his backside and being available that you have to collapse you have to respect that then again nugent hopkins hopkins leaves it draws chandler stevenson out of position and you see nuge just even lifts his foot for that pass east west they don't overhandle pucks the guy that has the puck on his stick the most is going to be mcdavid 
but you see that they get you up, down, around, and now they've brought this element ever since moving out Tyson Berry with Evan Bouchard and the heavy bombs. And again, he doesn't overhandle it too much. So this little play, Drysaddle likes to drive through and just move guys out of the way, opening up the middle one tee from almost the top of the slot. Again, back to Evan Bouchard, he slings pucks east-west. He doesn't walk with them. And you can see McDavid playing a little hide-and-go-seek behind the net. Everybody's got to respect what's going on in front because of Hyman. And then what does Bouchard do? He slides, and he's just virtually on the top of that home plate area and just letting bombs fly. Here's that cycle play again. Again, he's just going to sling it across. There is no bumper. No traditional 1-3-1 bumper. But again, what Drysaddle does is he goes and finds space. He sucks you into areas. Nugent Hopkins delivers pucks just as well as anybody else on that team. And then when you think you've got them figured out, well, then you got to deal with the fact that Connor McDavid wants to shoot the puck as well. And he could shoot it through you. So on that one, he pulls, shoots it through the defender. And on this next one, you're thinking, okay, goalie's only got to worry about the first post. Well, the reality is he shoots it through Doughty upstairs, and you got to you got to go mano a mano against one of the best players in the world that we've seen in the last 20 years. So, as predictable as it is in terms of their movement, it's their little deception, their little plays with a guy like Hyman in front that just rolls off guys. They aren't one of the teams that actually has the most deflected goals on the power play. Not even close. However, he does these little things that opens up seams. And then sometimes the fact that they don't have a bumper kind of throws teams off because most teams are playing, most teams are playing the same type of power play these days. Well, John, great breakdowns there. So informative. And I feel like I've always said that the power plays that are willing to one-time pucks when they break through the seam are usually the power plays that don't struggle and don't get cold. And I think when you look at power plays around the NHL that do struggle, one of the things that I see night in and night out are teams that are not willing and not ready, which again, I'm not sure how that could be or on a power play, is to shoot the puck. So I'll ask you, with how predictable it looks and how predictably good it is, how do you stop this power play if you're sitting on the other side of it? Well, I think you see a few things where like, whether it's a tight diamond or whether it's that T intersection and really trying to take away that seam pass, what you do see is that you, you've just got to like put a stake in the ground and cut that puck off, right? And some teams are just, oh, the right side is belongs to the D flexing out and the left side belongs to a forward flexing out. But the thing is, is that's all great and grand, but sometimes the X's and O's have to be kind of thrown out a little bit. And if the left D has to flex out and the right D has to hold and, and, and you just read off each other, but if you're too automatic and you get stretched away from that slot, and a little too puck focused, they make you pay every single time. And you see it from elite defenders, even by the LA Kings, who did well against them this year. They were the team that played um, Edmonton more than two games this year that had a PK of above 84% head-to-head. There were three teams that shut them out this year, but they only played them twice. Boston, uh, Washington, and Buffalo. Those teams just took two penalties. So that's the, probably the number one thing. Take two penalties or less. But at the end of the day, it's try to lay a stake in the ground and not get drawn out between hash marks to cut off that seam.
John loved the insight. Fantastic stuff on the coach's room, which is powered by Boston Pizza's new Fanalytics menu. Can't wait to see what you cook up next week, John, in our coach's room. Thanks for joining us. Thanks, guys. All right, Colby, time for our daily face-off inbox question of the day. Hashtag AskDFO, and thanks to everyone who's thrown a question into the chat if you're watching along on our YouTube stream. And, Colby, my question for you, as the Calder Trophy uh, finalists were announced on Wednesday for Rookie of the Year, including Matty Beneers, Owen Power, and Stuart Skinner, is there an underappreciated rookie in your mind, someone that didn't get enough love this year? Yeah, I mean, I, I I picked a guy by the name of Wyatt Johnston because I think he somewhat flies under the radar in Dallas. He's got a, a bunch of star players in front of him, guys like Robertson, uh, guys like Hints, and then obviously the the old Grizzly vets and, and Tyler Sagan and Jamie Benn. So I'm not sure Johnston gets quite the ink that some of these other rookies get. And this is a 19-year-old 2021 first round pick who scored 24 goals in the regular season this year played all 82 games okay which is difficult to do as a rookie in the nhl he's played every game in the playoffs so far um and the fact that he's been able to play the center ice position frank when do you see an 18 or 19 year old come into the nhl and play a center ice position so often players break in on the wing they get sheltered in the defensive zone. Coaches aren't able to trust them defensively. So to see Johnston playing on the second or third line, I think him and Max Domi have flip-flopped a little bit uh, down the stretch here between that second and third grouping in Dallas. But to see that, to me, he becomes a guy that I feel is, is probably a little bit underrated and probably not talked about quite enough. Yeah, the Johnston answer is a good one. He factored into my Calder ballot for sure. He's also the youngest player uh, in the last 30 years to score a series-clinching goal as he did for the Dallas Stars in round one. He's been incredibly impressive. I'm going to say one guy that didn't get enough love since Owen Power got some is Jake Sanderson on the Ottawa Senators blue line, playing 22 minutes a night, put up 32 points as a 20-year-old. I thought an impressive season and what's most exciting for the Ottawa Senators is still a lot of room to grow. That brings us to Tyler Uremchuk in our daily face-off Botano daily bet segment. Tyler is in Vegas and he mm -hmm. was at that Oilers game one loss. Tyler, how you feeling? How you doing? He's mad I'm, at me uh, right I'm now, that's for sure. Today. I'm feeling okay after a night in Vegas, better than expected after a, a night one, which also featured an Oilers loss, uh, but looking to make a little money tonight, Frank, on the NHL slate. So let's dig into it, courtesy of our friends at Patano. The game starts now at patano.ca. I got two parlays cooked up and we are labeling them both the bounce back parlays, Leafs and Stars to each win. Simple money line, play them together, plus 130. I don't think either of these two teams are going down to nothing on home ice. I think they got to bounce back. And I love Colby's point about Jake Ott Ottinger. I think he's uh, he's a guy who's going to bounce back really well and really won't string together two bad games. So give me those two on the money line at plus 130. And then a couple player props here. To register a point, Rupe Hints was held off the score sheet for the second time all playoffs last game. The last time he was held off, 
He bounced back with a three assist night. So I like him to get a point. And I'm playing it with William Nylander. Three straight games off the score sheet for William Nylander. But this guy gets power play time. This guy gets heavy top six minutes. I think it's just a matter of time until he bounces back. So I like playing these two together. And I'm getting an even better payout on this one at plus 151. So Leafs and Stars to win. Then maybe you can call it a little bit of a hedge as well on uh, Nylander and Hints both bouncing back, Frank. Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure. I think one of these teams is going to go down 0-2 on home ice. I just don't know which one. I have a sneaking suspicion with how good road teams have been so far in these playoffs. 33-21 and 21 to start the playoffs. Pretty incredible stuff. Uh, thank you to Tyler for joining us today from Vegas. That brings us to Garbage Time with Colby Cohen. And Colby, I'm going to take this one. Uh, Peter Klima gone way too soon at the age of 58. An incredible story. Uh, someone that defected from Czechoslovakia back when it was part of the Soviet Union and went on to forge a very memorable NHL career. And not just for the triple OT winner that he scored in game one of the 1990 Stanley Cup final, helping lead the Oilers to that cup. But also, I don't know about you, Colby, but when I played NHL 94 as a kid, Peter Klima absolutely ruled playing for the Tampa Bay Lightning. Uh, loved playing with Peter Klima uh, in a video game. And one of those names that just kind of sticks with you, a guy that uh, uh, played 786 NHL games, uh, quite a career for Peter Klima. And another one of those Edmonton Oilers glory years players gone way too soon at the age of 58. Colby, that'll do it for today's edition of Daily Faceoff Live. Thanks so much for joining me. Uh, we'll be back 12 noon Eastern on Friday. It's a Nick Alberga and Mike McKenna edition of Daily Faceoff Live. Until then, keep it locked on dailyfaceoff.com for all the latest news, insight, and analysis from around the NHL. See ya.